right, everybody. Welcome back to Powerhouse. We're in the house. We are the Bellagio Boys, aka Zach and Dan. I love it. There's a backstory there. I don't really know why someone would coin that phrase. I don't feel like it was all that big of a deal, but I guess some people we've seen at a couple of trade shows, because we stayed at the Bellagio, opted to stay at the Bellagio in Vegas and not whatever the one South Point, the horseshoe. Yeah, horse. Stable horseshoe. Casino. That's funny since that is also a casino, but, but you know what I mean. I can't remember yeah. the name of it. But South Point, I think. South Point, that is what it was. I'm sorry to be dismissive of that beautiful establishment. Yeah, um, yeah. So we were super nervous about the like $65 a night hotel thing, and I was like, uh, <laughs> we're gonna stay somewhere that I know is pretty decent. We wouldn't stay at a $65 a night hotel here. No, no <laughs> way, absolutely not. My wife and I went on a trip. Uh, we were probably 23 years old, I think, and uh, went, her friend was getting married in Lawrence, Kansas, which is, what is that, six-hour drive or something like that. Uh, maybe more than that, but either way, on the trip, we decided that we were just going to stay in the worst motels mm. that we could. So we found like the crappiest-looking ones on purpose just to see, and there was lit there was one that literally we slept on top of the comforter and we're like maybe that's not a fun game but so i've been on several trips with my brother-in-law kind of around the north and northeast uh he's a hot rod guy and so yeah. we like drove to providence rhode island to go look at a car and we went up somewhere up in like northern illinois to look at another car and uh so when we were on our way to rhode island we stayed in erie pennsylvania at the tally hotel Nice. And I slept on top of the sheets with a hoodie on, and I tightened it up <laughs> as tight as I could on my face. So I just had a little tiny just, hole right. to breathe out of. <laughs> Let me just make this hoodie into a sleeping bag. I tried my best. It was <laughs> it was pretty rough. And then we came out the next morning, and there was a hotel, like the Red Roof Inn was across the street, and it was like freshly remodeled rooms, you know. <laughs> and I was like, dude, you couldn't have splurged. I mean, it was like $3 more. Come right. on. It was, it was rough. Bellagio right. boys. All right, so who, <laughs> who's uh, who's presenting this show tonight? The show is currently presented by Memphis Fence Company, MFC Manufacturing, and Simpalo, and now also sponsored by the Thornton Fence Consulting Group. We finally have a sponsor from another address. It's pretty cool. exciting. Yeah, that's so. not us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I guess man, uh, I was excited about that conversation about sponsorship I had earlier. Yeah, I can't say anything about it, but it sure was just exciting. So the other company, mm -hmm. I text my guy over there today, and I was like, "Look out now, you might have some competition." I like uh, it. Feels kind of uh, slimy to like leverage mm -hmm. that. Like, hey, I do it with vendors sometimes. Like, you know, I'm I'm gonna call this other guy. I'm right? gonna get another quote on this. Right. Yeah. And, uh, but you know, it's the name of the game. I think if someone did that to me as a salesperson, I would. You know, kind of get on top of my game to try to. Right. I would step it, it up. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, it's just letting you know, man, just keeping you in the loop. Yeah. I guess that aspect of sales and negotiations for me is kind of a new territory. Yeah. You know, so we'll, we'll see Tony. Right. Here in a couple of weeks. And yeah. uh, somewhere. Is it really? But, it's not even two weeks, is it? No. I think two weeks from today, we'll be in Connecticut. Yeah. So the Northeast AFA trade show. Groton, Connecticut. That's how I pronounced nice. it. Andrea pronounced it. My wife is from the South. Groton. Even Groton. Groton. She said, down here, we're going to call that Groton. Yep. I said, okay. Well. So that's going to be cool. Um, we know. might be doing some talking there. I was trying to decide if I wanted to say that or not because it's I don't. Not we, we, might we registered and everything, and they're like, oh, hey, do you want to talk about something? And we we're like, I was like, do you uh, want us to talk about something? If you want, <laughs> we will. And so I think the plan as of right now is that we're going to do like an intro to working with general contractors, selling to general contractors kind of course. So hopefully. Which we'll, I'm the poster child of. That's right. Of Dan's course to selling to general contractors. That's right. <laughs> exactly. So uh, we're so, both. We're Go Dan ahead. and Zach. That's right. Dan and Zach. Zach and we're and live. Dan. The phone number is scrolling on the screen, 901-878-4987. If you want to call in, you can. I want to make a theme song that's like a, you know, a, uh, 
sitcom. <laughs> you should. Uh, so we're both reading the Toyota Way now. I finished uh, Extreme Ownership, wrapped that up, started the Toyota Way. 18-hour-long audio book. I'm so, glad you did. I went on a tangent on this strange scientific psycho metaphysical journey right it's the i can't remember the author's name it's called uh awakening from the meaning crisis what that's what it's called awakening from the meaning crisis okay the meaning crisis being what is the meaning of life (laughs) (laughs) yeah i figured and so is the point like get over trying to figure out the meaning of life and just live life? Well, he's, well, I think he's, maybe living life is the meaning of life. I don't know the point currently. I mean, we're right now starting at like um, at ancient history, the history of man and our first making tools. He, this guy's going way back on this. Hmm. And All so, right. and I think that's just a laying the groundwork for the word meaning. So when people started to make drawings of things that were important to them is where he associates the introduction of humans having the, you know, capability or the idea of what's meaningful. Mm. And that's just intro to meaning. So, Mm. you know, I'm not very far. So I'm back on the Toyota way. That's that's good. (laughs) Yeah. So we'll talk about that more in a little bit. Um, Our guest is – Patiently waiting, and we do have we, we got to have this thing done at the one hour mark today. So we're trying to get to the guest. Uh, it's going to be difficult for me to stay on task. I know I'm trying. <laughs> so thank you, listeners. Thank you all for tuning in and listening to us. As always, this is what we do it for is for you. And if you have anything you want to hear us talk about, or people you want to have on as guests or anything like that, just let us know, and we'll do our best to make that happen. We are still looking to hire an estimator project manager uh, here in the Memphis, Tennessee market. So I do want someone who's going to work local, not remote. So if you know anybody, send them on over. Today, we have another episode from the tech community. Um, let's see. This uh, this kind of started, stemmed from the AFA Tech Summit. There were people requesting or, you know, in expressing interest and wanting to be on the show, which we're pretty welcoming. And so uh, we've spent a good bit of time. Well, I've spent a good bit of time listening to you guys talk about software. I have not engaged a whole lot in that conversation. There's, you know, there's not a lot of room for me in that conversation necessarily. Um, but you so use our, it. So I do use it, but you know what I mean? Um, so we're going to introduce our guest. It's uh, so I just, before i just posted a link to the afa tech summit so it's still a good resource it's still there nine different software companies all showcased at one time so but before we introduce our guest because i accidentally put the italian before the introduction so that's not i wanted to participate yeah for sure we're introducing our guest before the italian um but i think we should tell this story because our commitment is that we're going to share our stories with the people I don't want to. I know you don't. And when we screw up, we got to share the story. So you want to. I like how it's we screw, but I'm the one who screwed up. Extreme ownership, baby. I ain't blaming nobody. All right, here. I'm at the top. It's on me. Yeah, Yeah, but your mic is back there. So here's the deal. As a result of, uh, well, maybe improper fabrication technique. Maybe some oversight and quality assurance. How about some uh, extreme ownership? And we say maybe it was a training deficit. Training deficit? Okay. Mm-hmm. Either way, under my leadership, gates were installed an hour away from our car shop that are uh, just not up to quality and have to be rebuilt. These are eight foot tall aluminum slide gates that were handcrafted here in our shop that. 32 uh, foot open. 32 foot opening. Hold on a semi. A 50-something foot gate. So it's a pretty costly expense. Mm-hmm. Um, should I extend that as well? You yeah, okay with that? I don't know. In the twenty to $30,000 range for the both. Oh, that's, yeah, at least. So we did some calculations, and what did we come up with? Like 32? 36. 36. 32. I mean, I, at that rate, I don't think either is better than no, the other. No, no. It's a lot of freaking money that we just 
wasted because we did it wrong. Uh, but here's the story. The moral of the story, and the thing that I think could be kind of like a positive takeaway, is you got to stand behind your work. That's exactly my point. And we could have gone back and forth and kept trying to, like, patch it and fix it and maybe, you know, come up with some kind of way to rig it to where it would work right and all of that, but it would have never been right. I think one of the subs mentioned a way, a less invasive way or less yeah. costly. Oh, let's, let's add a panel over there. So what, right. the gates are like a banana, right? They're bowed really bad. Right, so at the latch post, basically there's 14 inches of gap between the end of the gate and the latch post, which is not secure. Yeah. It would have been cheaper to move the fence line that they were latching <laughs> right. into. We could just jog the fence over 14 right. inches. <laughs> Build a little panel or something <laughs> like that. But, I mean, if you do any of that, it's not going to be right. And so we uh, we stand behind our work, and we do what's right, and we're going to rebuild the gates and recoat the gates and have a semi-haul the gates and install them and da-da-da-da-da. So, hey, if anybody wants some radiused, that's what they are, they're radiused 32-foot by 8-foot tall yeah. aluminum slide need- gates, let us know. We'll give you a good deal. So, anyways, that's our story. Now let's get into it. So we're gonna. I introduce- want to introduce Julie Schulze. Right, right, I'm, I'm out. <laughs> <laughs> I feel pr- really excited about getting your name right. I do. I have a mental uh, game that I play where I say it wrong and right and wrong, then right and wrong, then right, and I and hope then get that, confused and don't know which one. And I which. hope that right comes out. So, welcome, Julie Schulze. Schulze. I'm, we met in. I met you for the first time in Vegas at the fence show mm-hmm. vegas fence show and we saw you mm-hmm. saw at, in nashville recently at this afa trade show mm-hmm. are you by chance going to be in connecticut absolutely actually i'll be teaching two classes in connecticut hiring which we'll be discussing today and then also the fence cloud classes fantastic so julie is with fence cloud which is a software who doesn't know it's there, but just saying. Yeah. People, not everyone is looking. Um, so for those of you who are just listening, and uh, I guess we're going to give you a lot of time here because I think we kind of underprepared and hoped that you would kind of lead the preliminary course, uh, something kind of just short of what you'll be demonstrating at the Northeast AFA, Northeast Chapter AFA Trade Show. Hello, Susan K. Whaley. Hey, Susan. Glad you're here. Yeah, so would you guys like to discuss Fence Cloud for a few minutes, and then we can hop into hiring procedures? I thought first maybe we could talk about you for a second, and then we'll talk about Fence Cloud. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Not my favorite topic. So your your title is Marketing and Software Success. Um, So you want to kind of... Give us a little sneak peek of what all you do. Yeah, so I like to say that I do whatever needs done. So whatever is the most important, that is uh, what I work on primarily. So getting out uh, information about FenceCloud and then also making sure that everyone in FenceCloud has what they need in order to be successful. And I would say that is my favorite part of my job is teaching fence cloud classes, um, you know, telling people about new features, getting feedback and getting it to the development team, uh, just making sure that people can solve the problems that they want to solve with our software. Right, for sure. And how do you determine what's the most important? Is it because it's screaming in your face and it's <laughs> on fi- currently on fire or do you have a plan of action to designate these things? Yeah, so I would say for for the most part, it's organized fire, organized chaos. Right. That's right. So we we do have a system where, you know, customer feedback comes to us, and then we look at what is the most highly requested, um, and then you know we start looking at the design process for that. Uh, sometimes it's simply that I'm looking at a deadline, like the Northeast Regional Trade Show coming up, and I'm like, this needs done right now because we have to have this on the show floor next week so uh, some of it is deadline driven and some of it is process driven so you guys are dropping some new stuff for the show you're adding some features to the software well we're we're always adding new features to the software um we're very blessed that way we've got some awesome developers we've got two young guys that are 
really good at what they do. Um, but yeah, we've, we're dropping some new features this month. We dropped some pretty impressive features for Fence Tech. So I'll be talking about that in one of our classes at the Northeast uh, ASA show. And I don't guess you're at liberty to disclose those here with us today. It's a surprise for the show, is that? No, actually, I, I can discuss a few of those. So oh. at Fence Tech, we dropped uh, what we call collaboration tools. And those collaboration tools allow um, anyone with a FenceCloud account to create their own library of material templates and customize estimating engines. And then you can actually share those with other FenceCloud users. So oh. this is, you know, Ooh, something so that we, yeah, go ahead. So is there like a, a community type thing where people can share them with other users and stuff? Or like, how does that, or do they just email it to them? Um, so you can just email them to them. We are expecting to see some suppliers and industry leaders actually share it through maybe like consulting services. So that's another route you might see those start to pop up. They could actually just be made available on someone's website and then they could take them and load it in and hook it up to a supplier's catalog or even like a generic catalog for estimating. That's cool. So there's yeah, there's a few different routes you can go. I think I heard a whisper of that in Vegas, that prospect for the catalogs kind of being linked to Fence Cloud. That sure would be handy, wouldn't it? Catalogs? Yeah. What catalogs? Suppliers catalogs, is that what you just said, right? Oh, that's already in there. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, we'll talk about that here in just Good. a second. So, yeah, uh, do you guys want me to jump in with both feet on on how Fence Cloud works, or do you want me to let you guys lead the conversation? Uh, we don't really care. Um, that's the main thing is the time restriction. So if you just want to give us a five to ten minute spot yeah. talk on Fence Cloud, that'd be awesome. So uh, you know, I did have a few questions for you. So uh, at some point, I'd like to be able to ask you those. So however you want to do it, I'll let you take the lead, and I'll answer your those questions. Oh, okay. So uh, what I did was I went to the AFA Tech Summit. Um, you know, I was there when it was live, but I wasn't always paying attention because I also was working at the time. But as part of my homework, getting ready for the show, I went back and watched Julie's demo. So that's where a lot of this information and some of the questions that I have uh, kind of come from. So for anyone who doesn't know, like FenceCloud was formerly CFS. And I guess when you went cloud-based, y'all kind of just transitioned the name over. And... So from my understanding, CFS, it still functions. I know it still functions because we have a guy in our office that still uses it. Um, but I think from what you've told me is like, it's going to continue to function until Microsoft eventually kills it, right? So that's correct. Yep. Yeah. So I, I think Microsoft will like update something and it's going to break it and then y'all are not going to fix it, right? Because so anyone who's listening that's using CFS, just know like the end of that life is coming at some point. Right. We don't know when, we don't know what it will look like, but eventually it will probably kill CFS. Yeah. So if I say anything you don't want me to say, just yell at me or something, but can't really edit it out, but I'm going to do my best. <laughs> so since 1981, you know, that that's crazy. That's a long freaking time to be in the software world. Um, I don't even, I, I'm wasn't even alive in 1981, but I think the first time I used a computer was probably like in the, I don't know, late 90s, maybe mid 90s, something like that at school, playing Oregon Trail. But uh, anyway, so what I heard you say was that it you have uh, like tutorials and help centers and stuff like that that are built in for anybody new that signs on. And then I know that you y'all your whole group like travels around and goes to a bunch of trade shows and things like that and so you give a lot of training just like you mentioned at the northeast uh, afa chapter our trade show that's coming up yes all right yes. so uh, do you want to uh I, I know you're going there and then i know y'all will be in las vegas at the fence show there i'm assuming and so yes. you want to you want to talk about anything else that you got going on throughout the course of the year? Yeah, so we will we'll definitely be at the Northeast Regional Show and we'll be offering a couple of classes there. 
And then we'll be at Las Vegas and we'll be at the West Coast French show uh, just shortly after that. And then we're also hoping to be at the Tony Thornton uh, summits when we can. Uh, probably won't be providing any education, formal education at those events. Um, but as uh, Dan mentioned, we also have the learning library that's built in Defense Cloud and it does cover a lot of what we teach in the in-person classes. It's just cool. a lot more fun to get together in person. Well, and it, I mean, it makes it a little bit easier to be able to actually ask someone questions too. Um, you know, as opposed to just sitting there kind of like reading through something or watching videos. And if you have questions, it's no one really to ask. So more fun, right? Yeah. That's what he, that's what he meant to say right there. Uh, I don't know about that, you know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So as you as you were going through your demo, basically, you started off with a lead. And so when you entered the lead, you added like a new contact for your customer, and then you were able to schedule an appointment for them kind of pretty seamlessly there, like in the same area. Um, so what options, what options do you have for how leads get into the system? Yeah, so leads can actually auto-generate inside of FenceCloud. So if you decide to hook this up with a contact form on your website, they could come in through that or they could come in through a GeoDraw, which, which is a lead qualifying lead uh, generating uh, program that we actually offer and then it interfaces with FenceCloud. So we are looking to actually build that into FenceCloud over the next year. So that's one of those new features that um, we're hoping to get out before the end of 2024. And then of course you can go ahead and manually put that lead in. We're also hooking up with Zapier um, and that will allow you to automate lead generation inside of FenceCloud as well. Nice. So I think you used that before, right? And I did. You had some automation stuff in yep. your previous life. I did. Yeah, it's uh, that's one of the tabs that's open on my computer right now. I was looking into doing, I don't even remember why I was looking at it, but it was like yesterday, so I've definitely forgot. Yeah, we were using it to do basically stuff that a lot of these uh, project management softwares are doing for you, but we built out the. I was calling it Zapier. Yeah, me it too. Zappy. It's probably Zapier. I've always called it Zapier. Well, and someone else uh, recently said it like that, so it's up in the air. But uh, so yeah, we were using it to pop. We would you know start with the Google form and then have it populate uh, quotes and work orders and all of the said documents that go along with taking in customers. So that's cool. Uh, so I've been kinda... looking at trying to use it with the software we're using for project management now to kind of populate some PDFs for me, but apparently that connection has yet to been formed the last time I checked. So, yeah. So, so um, you have a like, I don't, I don't know if this is the right way to say this word, but you have like a Kanban view of the leads and everything going on. So, in that can kind I of... interject? Yeah, I heard it pronounced Kanban on the Toyota way. And it was actually instituted at Toyota. I was like, dude, this is crazy. So much oh, of wow. Toyota ingrained in these practices. And now like reading the book or listening to reading the audiobook, uh, you know, I'm like, what? That's amazing. So yeah, it was implemented at Toyota by an engineer to help streamline manufacturing. Practices. That's pretty cool. I haven't made it that far in the book. Pronounced Kanban. I knew you were gonna mispronounce it. I was like, do I let him go for it and then correct her? Or just steal it, but yeah. So that's cool. I think I'm still gonna mispronounce it. <laughs> yeah. Just because I'll, I'll like. keep mispronouncing Zapier. Uh, there we go. <laughs> but that's the, we don't know. Jury's still out on that one. All right. So do you do you have any automations in there for like moving jobs around or contacting customers or anything like that? Yeah. So contacting the customers is something that you can automate. So you can send out like notification reminders. Um, you can send it out 24 hours in advance or an hour, um, but it's definitely an area that we're gonna be expanding on over time. So um, this year we are hoping to add more automations as far as like, you know, statuses updating and jobs moving to new stages, but that is uh, something that's on the horizon. Are the automations customizable or are they like templates that you guys have created? You can just kind of pick one or how does that work? Yeah, at this point it is templated. Um, that's another area that's currently on the board. So you guys can decide what events those go to, 
and you know their custom preference is actually set for every customer. So if they don't want to receive emails, you could say this person is text uh, notification only, things like that. Oh, nice. What we cool. experienced, um, so we use Monday. That was what Zach was kind of. Yeah, I don't know why earlier, I was trying but, to pretend like I couldn't tell you. I just. But so we're we're trying to like. <laughs> <a secret>. <laughs> <laughs> so we're trying to like build out Monday, and so there was no text messaging in there. No, it was like a weird third party thing where I was gonna have to send some money to Guam or something. Yeah, Zach was like, yeah. I need to ACH some money to Guam, and I was like, uh, It wasn't I mean, actually Guam, but it was some other place that's equally as off put like you would be like suspicious of right yeah there was definitely somewhere shady yeah no guam over here right right so but they they would allow you to do uh you know communication with customers and stuff like that with email they kind of have that built in and so that doesn't really work that great especially in the residential world in our experience because people don't check their emails and Mm -hmm. so they're like if you can text them, that's way better because then you can just you know they actually get it. But a lot of times people are like, "Hey, did you send that quote yet? And you know what's going on with my job? All of this stuff." And you're like, "I mean, you've got well, seventeen emails. You don't want to email them. We're preparing the material package to load up to come out tomorrow. We do call the day of, you know, we're on site or before. But I'd like to give them something along the way. I could, and but an email is not going to do that. Yeah. Right? So that's great that you guys have the text thing. That's been a thing that I've been after for a while as far as increasing, uh, you know, just uh, the customer relationship, really. Zach's going to be ready to sign up here in a minute. I already am. <laughs> so you you got several different ways that you can draw a fence, I saw. I, I think when you, like, clicked on it, there was, like, four different ones on there. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you kind of went through a couple different different ways that you could draw and, you know, kind of, like, upload a – background image so like if you did have a a plan sheet or a plaid or something like that you could put it in and set the scale and kind of draw on that um i don't know if you if you want to say anything about that or and and it really depends on on what you are doing and i'm sure daniel know uh, a lot about this so if you're doing commercial projects you probably want to bring in um, an image of your blueprint and set the scale and work with that whereas if you're residential you might want to hop into MapDraw because that is calibrated for the Google satellite images, and that makes it so you can just work on top of the satellite image. That's right. I didn't mention it was on the satellite image in around someone's backyard. So you don't have to set the scale. You just start drawing, and it is integrated with the Google Map scale? With, with MapDraw, it is, yeah. So that cool. there's yeah. a calibration that's set up for that. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah, that's pretty neat. So now, once you have everything drawn, you set. I, I don't really understand this. Um, I don't the the terminology, right? It's kind of. Uh, I understand what the words mean, but I don't fully grasp what's going on here. So, then you set an estimating engine from a supplier of your choosing, and then you set the specs. I guess. So does that estimating engine from supplier X Y Z will say. Does it come with like the packages that are built out that you get to choose from for your different specs? Yeah, so and this and this is not uh, just you. This is a pretty complex system. So we've seen people struggle with how this is going to work. Um, we fair. actually okay. <laughs> bless your heart. <laughs> okay. So. We we actually create the catalog for the suppliers. So whether it's you know, Merchants Metals or Stevens Pipe and Steel. Um, you know, some of these companies we've had a great relationship for many years. Um, other suppliers, the customer has requested that we build a catalog for them. And so we build that catalog of all their materials and we teach the estimating engine how to estimate that type of material. So for Merchants Metals Chainlink, they get a catalog and an engine that understands how to build chain link for merchants metals. And then as a company, you can use that estimating engine and it will walk you through how to estimate that type of material. But on top of that, you can build what we call material templates. And that takes your estimating from minutes, 
you know, to one minute flat because it can it can group all of your choices for breaking down a six foot commercial knuckle twist line of fence and gate. Right. Yeah. So like a, I, I call them configurations. So it's just kind of like a preset of all the different specs and options and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Those things are huge. That's one thing I always try to tell people is like, you need to spend time getting these things set up because you don't want to have to like go through and change anything. Like just set it to where it's what you want and it has the options that you want to offer and then boom, 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 boom. Yeah, exactly. So, so once you have, once you've uh, set your specs and done all that, so now you get a material list that has cost on it. So my assumption is that those are current cost, which is based on like the user's price point from the supplier, right? This this is a very good question because it's a big area of miscommunication sometimes. We don't put the supplier's cost. Hey, Brian. We don't put the supplier's cost in there unless the supplier has requested us to do so. So when you get that catalog, if it has a price in it, it's usually a national price. And then you need to get your company's discount and put it in there, or you need to get your company's multiplier. And there's, yeah, there's many ways for you to put your price in, um, but it is at the discretion of the supplier. Okay. At least it's in like a, format or the uh, the part number item numbers in yep. a way that would make it for the, the easier for the vendor to supply you with a quote yep so our our cfs i guess the catalog that was in it whenever we signed up for it originally but it has like all master halco part numbers in it and so mm-hmm. when you look at a material list it'll have like the quantity the master halco part number and then the description beside it so that way when you did send it to your supplier that's super easy for them to work with too comes yep, off the, the printer paper way. that's still connected by perforation. That's right. I hear them in there tearing that's... the sides of the paper <laughs> off to then fax to the. Hey, to hey the... don't don't tell people we have those antique printers around here, man. Somebody might try to come get them. So he can fax his quote request. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. So now we've got a materialist. We've got a cost. Uh, so now this thing is going to create shop drawings for us, gate cut sheets, and gate drawings all just automatically. And I saw that it creates like a multitude of different documents and proposals and all of that stuff. You want to talk about that, Any? Yeah, so everything that you need to close that job, everything from your contract to your work order, your pull and return list, the supplier request for quote, so you can quickly tweak it and send it off to the supplier for ordering. All of that is generated and ready to go as soon as you complete your estimate. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. That's one thing I like about I I really like the whole proposal and like estimate development that has happened in the software world. Uh, I have nothing like that, unfortunately, but maybe one day. But uh, it's really cool. I like to see how people have made these like really nice bids and proposals and stuff like that that just come out of it. It's cool. So uh, that's definitely a big time saver. So um, and I saw there's like several different ways you can calculate labor as well, um, which is I feel like is another thing that's, you know, as complex as the whole estimating engine side of it. And I understand that. But you want to talk about that a little bit? And my the question that I had was, can you like adjust your overhead and profit and stuff that goes with those labor numbers? Yes. Yeah, so labor is super open ended because we know people install it. Um, from you know price per foot all the way to calculating the cost on every post that is getting set. So you can have it as complex as reading the variables from the site plan and auto-filling those for you to throwing a lump sum on a job and calling it good. And then depending on how you set it up, you can leave it open so that you can go back and adjust the overhead on it, or you can lock it down so estimators can't change any of the pricing once it hits the labor module so it's really up to how you guys want to run and how your company operates best so you could have it either where you can adjust it like on every job or have it where it's locked so that way whoever's doing it doesn't really have to know yeah exactly yeah Yeah, that's cool 
All right, so like I mentioned before, there is the video. I did put the link to it. Um, it's part of the AFA's LMS system that they are have launched and are kind of like building right now. Uh, but I did put links. It's on the Powerhouse Fence Show Facebook and YouTube both. So if you're listening to a podcast, you can get them from there. If you want to go watch, Julie has, a, I think, a 18 or 20-minute long video where she kind of runs through and shows this stuff. But if someone wants a demo or has some more questions or anything, how can they contact you? Yeah, just hop over to our website, which is fence.cloud. And from there, you guys can request a demo and we'll answer any of your guys' questions or you're always welcome to call or email us. Um, and you can also just sign up for Fence Cloud right there. So you don't even have to talk to anybody if you want to get in there and, and get things going. Well, good deal. All right. Did you have anything else you want to, any closing thoughts or anything else you want to mention there? No, if, if uh, you guys will be at the Northeastern Trade Show here in a couple of weeks and you are curious, feel free to stop by one of our Fence Cloud classes. We'll be there Friday afternoon teaching the Getting Started class and the Advanced Estimating class. Good deal. All right, so now what we're here to talk about the meat and taters is the, I, I kind of think I phrased this right, but the A method for hiring, which I guess was by uh, Jeff Smart and Randy Street. Did I say that right? Yeah, that is, that is correct. So the A method was pioneered by Jeff Smart and Randy Street and is the hiring method that we use and have used for a few years and we've gotten some wonderful results from it. And I think if you're not using a standard operating procedure, standard hiring procedure, you could really benefit from implementing this. Um, you right so, there. yeah. So how would people find this? Is there, was it like in a book or, I mean, are there some publications about it? Yeah, so the, the WHO uh, book was uh, printed in 2008, so it's been around for a while, and you can actually pick up their book for just a few bucks on Amazon, okay. and it goes through all the things that you need to know on implementing this great hiring procedure, and we'll also be teaching about it at the Northeastern show as well. Oh, nice. So it yeah. was called The WHO? Is that the name of the book? Yeah, it's called WHO. Who? Uh, okay. I feel bad because I literally have a copy upstairs and I should have grabbed it. Oh, we'll wait. Just run and get it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> That'd make for interesting content. We're not going it? anywhere. Don't <laughs> worry. Um, yeah, so solve your number one problem. Who by Jeff Smart and Randy Street. Cool. Nice. So maybe we'll add that to the list. On there, this baby. is definitely something we could use some pointers and some help with is is the whole hiring process. Um, I, so quick story. Or, uh, I keep trying to check the time here. So I was I interviewed a, a guy a couple weeks ago and a lady from the office was in there with me. And I mean, like 15 or 20 minutes into it, she was ready to just get up and leave. She was like, no, this is terrible. What are you doing? And I was like, what? I'm just getting to know him, you know. So uh, <laughs> So you want to kind of like take over? I think. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking. I said to someone, I think Dan may have like the least conventional interviewing process. I on do. Earth. I I once uh, I once had a guy. I once had a guy who, or no, what I used to do was we would have guys come in for like our fabricator position, you know, to work in the gate shop and build gates and all that stuff, and just. I, I would take a, a two-inch ratchet strap, you know, 27 foot long, and I would just kind of like put it in a wad on the counter. And so at some point during the process, after they kind of went in our shop and checked everything out and did like a little test over there and all, I would, me and another person would like go back in my office and we'd be like, hey, can you wind that, can you uh, like clean that up or, you know, phrase it some kind of way where it didn't really give them any direction? And I would just watch to see how they did it. And so we'd go sit in my office and watch them on the camera and see how they did it. And I was like, man, a guy who's going to pay attention or gal who's going to pay attention to details and they're like meticulous enough to build the quality that we want, they're going to take their time and they're going to wind it up and make sure that it looks nice. 
And if these people just kind of take it and put it in a ball and just throw it in the corner, then I, I just assume that they are going to have that level of attention to detail with everything. So, yes, definitely some unconventional uh, interviewing and, and testing going on over here. But and I will say, Dan, you're not alone in that. There are so many great companies that are still using um, voodoo hiring practices, <laughs> <laughs> you know, where it, it differs from each candidate that comes in and there there's not actually a standard process for qualifying the candidate. Guilty. <laughs> And yep. the great thing about the A method is that it walks you through, you know, not just how to assess the candidates once you get them, but even like sitting down and writing out your scorecards. So getting on the same page with your job description and making sure that the entire team knows what you're hiring for, what kind of candidate would be capable of completing that job. And then sourcing those candidates, which is another mm. huge issue that we all run into. How do we get Top description. a pool of quality people? <laughs> what what were these words you're what saying? What is a job description, Julie? <laughs> oh, please tell me you guys are writing a formal job description. Uh, I think I was hired and then interviewed, to be honest. I'm pretty sure I was hired and then came in for like, oh, we'll just make sure we didn't make the wrong decision. So you want a job? We'll give you a job. Here's what we'll pay you. And we'll we'll worry about what you're gonna do later. Yeah. All right. So, so so was Zach a unicorn that you guys found and you were like, we can't let this one go? I don't remember. So Zach hired on uh twice now. The first time was what in like 2016, 17, somewhere? 14. There? 14? Okay. 2014. And, and uh, he never officially let me go is what happened. Yeah. I left and he never let me go or I never let go. So the relationship was still pretty, is a pretty soft place to land, so to speak. Not that I needed a soft place to land, but, you know, uh, we maintained contact like the whole time, basically. So, yeah. Yeah, we had, there was a uh, lots of questions during that period. And then eventually he came back. And so, like, I, I don't know what the hiring process or anything was like the first time. The second time, I mean, we had talked the entire time he had been gone. I knew who he was, all of that. So, like, it was a pretty informal deal. But we did – and we did sit down and talk about, like, what you would be doing and kind of expectations and stuff like that, at least to some extent. Probably not as well as what Julie's about to tell us to do. But <laughs> um, so, Julie, you have the agenda, right? And so yeah. do you want to, and I mean, you gave me the bullet point, so I don't know if you want to kind of like take charge and run through it and we'll just like ask you questions as we come up with them or we'll talk yeah. about how terrible we do every once in a while, maybe. Well, that, that sounds like a good plan to me. So when you guys are going through the A method, it lays it out in four pillars for you. So one is your scorecard. So we're going to talk about as a, as a team, as a, you know, office administration, what are we looking for? What is this person actually going to be responsible for completing? And what are the goals we expect them to hit? So our outcomes. And then we also need to take a look at our company culture and decide what type of person, what candidate would not only be competent enough to do that job, but also work uh, seamlessly with everyone else in the team. And so we're going to we're actually going to take the time to write that down on paper and make sure that we're all aligned on that. Cuz you'd be surprised how many times people get to the job description and one person writes it up and you come back and everyone else is like I don't think we were hiring for the same thing. Like we were not in alignment here. Yeah, definitely I could see that. Yeah, and then once you've got that that scorecard down, you're going to go ahead and start sourcing your candidates. Now, the goal here is to source quality candidates and set up your sourcing methods before you actually have a job opening. So there's, you know, your traditional methods of finding candidates, you know, Indeed, Glass, ZipRecruiter, and then there are some 
less uh, mainstream ways. So we could do referral programs with our employees that know us, they know our culture, and that's highly successful sometimes. Um, even to like working with your local high school or a trade show or trade school so that you guys can uh, bring those candidates in as part of an internship program. Hey, I like what you're thinking, though, the trade show. We'll just walk around the trade show and pass out flyers. Hey, now hiring. My, get out of here. That's my secret. Oh, right. I'm Sorry. secretly headhunting at all. But I was I'm just not, thinking. It's not a secret anymore. I was just thinking that we're kind of going through everything at the show. This will be nice. we got a, a preemptive class here. Right. But. So this uh, referral in uh, program with your employee, do you offer some sort of incentive or like, you know, if they don't work out, we're going to dock your pay or I mean, I'm just kidding about that was a joke. But do you offer some sort of incentive or something? Yeah. So and, and I've seen that other places as well where you might offer an incentive just for referring someone. Um, but this was mentioned at Fence Tech as well. You might offer that incentive if the person you hire makes it 90 days. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I think that's the right way to do it is set some milestone and just say if they make it to this point, then that's whenever your your incentive stuff kind of kicks in. Yeah. And that way, you know that you're not just going to get named. Um, people will imply, you know, will, they'll be referring people that they have a good feeling will make it to that 90 day point. So can we talk a little bit about the scorecard? So one of the things you said here is developing the scorecard. Um, and so are you actually like writing down something and like assigning, you know, I, in my mind, I'm thinking there's like a 20 question piece of paper and you're going to have this whenever Eight. you're going through the interview and you're going to like, everyone's going to rate Seven. how they answer the questions Nine. and they're all like weighted and you actually get to like a score. Five. Does that. <laughs> not, not quite like that because the scorecard really encompasses your mission. So um, what mission for this position and then what outcomes do we expect that person to be able to complete? So the outcomes are measurements of success that we can hold that candidate to over time. So okay. um, an example might be like answer 90% of incoming support requests within two hours. Mm -hmm. So it's something that we can measure and it's an outcome that we expect from a successful candidate. Right. So with your recent estimator position, you designated that you wanted a specific number of bids to be submitted within mm -hmm. the first 30 days and this number to be achieved over the next 90 or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And so you kind of like set like I, I don't I almost said tangible, but like yeah. real goals kind of at the beginning and you give them the expectations yeah. like during the hiring process. Quantifiable yeah. measures of success instead of just are you on task and. Right. Kind of random things. Or yeah. do you take initiative? How do you measure that? Um, hey Bob, you're not doing good enough. <laughs> oh, what do you expect me to do? I don't know, but I expect you to do better. <laughs> yes. Right. So can yeah, what if uh hmm, that's interesting. I don't know. So my mind goes to like, well, what if you have somebody that's like a superstar and they're capable of doing twenty of whatever your goals are a day? And your object, you know, your scorecard said they had to do 10. Are they going to like hang out and only do 10 a day or are they still going to shine? Well, then your scorecard wasn't high enough because you mm -hmm. should be aiming for superstars at all times. I like that. Aim for superstars all the time. Yeah, that's good stuff. So where where do you actually post jobs? You mentioned a few places. Are you posting in all of those places or do you all have some that have been like more successful for you? You know, very openly, I will say that we have sourced from Indeed and we haven't felt the need to go beyond that Indeed and LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we have a pretty strict requirement for the people that we've been hiring that you have to be willing to work in office in Billings, Montana. Mm -hmm. And so as a yes. software company, we're not, yeah, we're not competing with a lot of other software companies. And in Billings, us, Montana? In Billings, Montana. Mm -hmm. So, 
for us, Indeed has done the trick. But for some of our clients, you know, they're hiring installation crews, they're hiring um, a larger number of employees. And so they need to be able to source more broadly than we do. Right. So we, we used Indeed for a long time. Um, I don't, I've posted jobs on the LinkedIn and stuff like that, but I don't know that I've ever successfully hired anyone as a result of a job posting on LinkedIn. Um, maybe I'm just doing it wrong. I don't know. I'm sure it works. I mean, it works for y'all, but, uh, we started using, I don't know if I should say the name of it or not, but we, we started using this service that you like post your job on there and then it puts it on like 10 different places at one time and so like all the communication and everybody that applies kind of comes back to that one central location and i mean it's it's pretty decent the the user interface and stuff like that is is not that great but i i think that was kind of cool now the downside of it is you can't sponsor any of your job postings anymore and so, you know, you kind of lose that, but I don't know. We, we've been trying a few different ways. So that, that's kind of where we're, where we are right now. And, and but. what I do, I do say this during the class on hiring is, you know, it's okay to implement multiple things, but if you aren't going to implement them properly, then you might as well just implement one or one or two things. And make sure that you have them set up for success because, um, you know, Indeed, ZipRecruiter, um, things like that, they do offer you tools so that you can weed out candidates that are not going to be a good fit for your company. And if you're getting 10 different sources of candidates, but you're not properly filtering them out for your company, then you're going to waste a lot of time and yep. probably a, a bit of money. 100%. So the thing that we use is pretty cheap. Um, I think it's like 95 bucks a month or something like that, which I mean, it's $95 a month, but that's a lot less than we were sending, spending on like sponsored job postings on Indeed and things like that too. So, um, <clears throat> but I will say what you just said about filtering people out. So like Indeed, you can put in there, you know, questions and if they don't answer them a certain way, then it automatically rejects them. So this thing that I'm using doesn't do that either. So you do have to sit there and go through every single applicant, which gets to be a bit exhausting and does take time. You and at that point, you have to ask, how much is your time worth? If you're filtering through an extra 50 candidates, how much of your time are you spending? Uh, it's worth about a dollar fifty. Dollar fifty. You guys have any plans on putting any like hiring resources on FenceCloud? That's something y'all have ever discussed. That's a good question. It's it's not something that our customers have requested, but if we saw that from customers as a need, then it's something that we would probably consider. Mm, you heard it here first. They're going to do it <laughs> next month. <laughs> uh, that's kind of cool. I don't know. Um, I mean, I think if you have a toolkit of how of running your business, I mean that. Right. Fence clouds, from what I heard today, is a, a lot of resources for a residential fence company would be pretty good. And then if you could do some automated hiring stuff, have it handle mm -hmm. some of that for you all in one place for, you know, maybe somebody who's less technologically inclined or something. Sounds like a good, mm -hmm. you know, good resource. I, I think there's a lot. I think there's a lot of companies that do a good job at, at covering this area. So sure. mm -hmm. I don't know if it's. It's hard that to try to be a Swiss Army knife, right? You, you kind of want to do what you're good at and not try to do everything. So, there's two different, uh, two different schools of thought there for sure. But um, I was going to ask you a question because um, I wanted to ask you a question about this, like a okay, I know what it was. So earlier you said you want to find the right candidates before you need to hire them. So how does that work? Do you just have like a stack of people that are for position one and position two and position three? And like whenever you need them, you just start calling them or what, what does that kind of look like? Well, this is more about developing a source uh, before you need someone. So this is being able to quickly implement 
the sourcing when you have a position come available. Now we have seen companies that are always hiring because if a, if a unicorn is out there and they're interested in working for them, they will make room for that person and they'll go ahead and hire them. And I can't take credit for that. That one is actually from Josh Glover of Mr. Friends of Florida. Mm -hmm. So their company think, has successfully talked about that. I think that's a really solid approach too. If you have somebody come by that's a unicorn, a superstar, whatever you want to call them, I mean, I think it's a great idea to just find a spot and put them in there. Even if they're overqualified right. for the spot that you put them in, like at least give them a job and keep them here. And, you know, whenever the time comes for them to step into another role, you got them here. I think it's good. Yeah. And for us, when we talk about sourcing candidates, we make sure that we have um, our procedure down for sourcing people before we have an opening. So it's okay to not be hiring at all times, but you want to make sure that when a spot opens up, you're able to source quality candidates within a reasonable amount of time. Right. Did the screen go black for you? Oh no, I can I can oh. still see everything. Okay, I think it. Anyways, so yeah, I like that idea. So you kind of have like I I've started. What I started doing was like all my job descriptions, every time I had to hire for a position, I would go through and I would have to retype the job post. And I, I finally, after doing that like 40 times, I got smart and I was like, wait a minute. And I just started typing them in Word and now I have a Word document for all the different positions and I can just copy and paste the, uh, the job posting back in there. So definitely not to the extent of what you're talking about, but I did at least take one little step in being you know, somewhat prepared to to get that that job posting out there and stuff like that. Yeah, and if you guys are so, going to use uh, a service, that is one of the things that I definitely recommend implementing is templates so you can quickly fire off answers and responses. And then also setting up deal breakers, like Dan, you mentioned earlier, being able to ask them a certain set of questions or run them through assessments. And if they don't complete them to your standards, they're immediately cut from the from the pile. So I had this thought just yesterday, and you can tell me if this fits into the, the A method or not, but I had this thought that people who applied, uh, I mentioned that we use Monday. So Monday you can go in and you can build out forms that you know would have a bunch of questions and stuff like that on them. And I thought, what if I built a form that asked 10 questions or something, and it was all just text fields, right? So they could put as long or short of an answer as they wanted to in it. And just send it to them and let them fill it out. Um, and so it kind of does two things to me. One, it lets me be able to sit there at 10 o'clock tonight and read through the responses and kind of narrow down a little bit more instead of like the yes or no rejection kind of questions. But it, it gives me a little bit of a more of an insight into their answer, I guess. And then also it really shows who's going to take the time and put in the effort to actually go through and answer those questions. Um, I know Indeed, you can do like these these phone calls to where you can put in a few questions and like Indeed will call them and ask them the questions and it records their response that you can play back. But I thought about trying to do something to where it would just like create a list in Monday of the responses and, and see. Because I had an interview with somebody today and they didn't show up, you know, and so I sit there for like 15 minutes waiting on them to show up. But that seems to be a lot of our experiences we, we put a job posting out and we invite 25 people to an interview, let's just say hypothetically, and seven of them actually show up to like a virtual interview. And then from there, we do an in-person interview and maybe three of them will show up and then you hire all three of them and one might actually show up to work. It's kind of been like our experience with certain positions. It's not always like that, but some of the positions we hire for kind of, that's the way it goes. Um, yeah. So anyways. Yeah, that kind of we're going to we're going to run out of time to go through all of the four steps, oh, the four yeah. pillars of this. But that kind of touches on the next point is, you know, part of the A method is that we do a phone interview before you can get to an in-person interview. And that's after you get through the deal breakers. That's after you get through the assessments, which they do on their own. And that doesn't take up any of our time other than to manage that process. Right. 
And by the time we get to the phone interview, we have a pretty decent group of people that we are actually interested in. That phone interview takes 30 minutes. And, you know, in that 30 minutes, we run them through a consistent set of questions, which are lined in outlined for you in the book. And from that, we can decide who's worthy of making it to the in-person interview. And honestly, only about 10% of the people that apply to our jobs make it to an in-person interview. Mm -hmm. And that really helps us cut down on, on who we have to deal with in order to get a quality candidate hired. Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I start off, well, again, it depends on the position you're hiring for, but like with this estimator project manager job that I'm trying to hire for right now, I'm going to start with a virtual interview, uh, normally through like Zoom or something like that. And anytime I'm hiring somebody in the office, I start with that. And so what I'm doing is I'm testing your like technological aptitude. We'll say like, can you successfully navigate well enough on whatever device you're using to get to a Zoom meeting? And sure. I promise you, some people can't. <clears throat> and they'll like call our office and be like, I can't get this thing to work. I can't get in that Zoom. And I'm like, all right, I'm not giving you a job where you have to sit in front of a computer all day. You didn't hire my grandma? No. <laughs> Good jerk. I, I think that's one of your assessments right there. Yeah. Yeah, so that's pretty cool. I and think the cool thing about this to me is we're talking about this from the perspective of hiring, right? We're in the position to hire. I'm looking to hire. I hire, have employees. But also for people who are listening or watching that, aren't in that position where they're hiring and maybe they're thinking they might like to work for either of our companies. Right. It sounds like a pretty cool resource for people to become more employable, mm -hmm. to be honest. I mean, there was a time where I could have used a bit of instruction yeah. and criticism in that area. And so this is a pretty cool resource for that. So if anybody's just a, thinking I'm just an installer and the show doesn't mean anything to me, then, you know, maybe this is a good way to grow uh, or mature professionally, just the book itself or the, you know, the class that you're going to do at uh, the Northeast chapter trade show. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. So um, you have down here selling the job, making the best candidate an offer they'll accept. Uh, yeah. I think we got just a couple minutes left. So I was going to see if maybe you want to touch on that a little bit. Yeah, once we go through, and, and I, I do highly recommend if you guys have an extra five to 10 bucks, pick up the used copy on Amazon because it's totally worth the read. Yeah. But once you go through that process of screening out and interviewing the, the high quality candidates, you're going to want to make sure that you sell the position that you're offering. And it touches on the fact that money isn't always the biggest motivator when it comes to taking a job. High quality people, high quality candidates, they want to make sure that they're in a good company with a position that they can competently, you know, complete. So once yeah. you get to that point, you got to make sure that you're selling that position to the quality candidate that you're looking for. Right. Yep. And so I think a, a big part of like my approach whenever I interview people is, you know, I mean, it's kind of like a date, right? So I want to see if I like them and I want to make sure that they like us. And so I like to tell them about our company and the, the position that we're trying to fill and, you know, maybe even tell them a little bit of like our history and our objectives of where we're trying to go and stuff like that. Um, I like for people to kind of have a feel for what they're getting into, you know? Um, and so right. kind of along the lines of selling the job to them as well, I, I look at an interview as a, a two-way deal. It's not just, you know, are we wanting to hire you, but do you also want to come work for us? Absolutely. Yeah. So do you, um, I, I like all this. So you, you said that like the, the overall concept that you were trying to stress to everybody is the importance of having data-backed hiring procedure. Um, and so I don't know that we did, uh. There was a lot of that stuff we didn't touch on, and we kind of bounced around a little bit through this A method here, but it's definitely something interesting, and I think maybe I'll, I'll put that on the list after Toyota Way. I might need to check this book out and see if I can learn a little bit about this. I, yeah, I'd highly recommend this for anybody that doesn't have a standard hiring procedure. Yeah, it's definitely something that everyone has to do at some point. Well, probably, is hire someone. Hopefully. So do you have, is, it, is there like, how do you score people? 
All right, do you have time to talk about that? I wish I did, but I, unfortunately I do have to pick up my two kiddos from childcare, so I'll have to let you guys go here. But I will leave you with your German word for the day. Uh, oh, yes. nice. We forgot the Italian. So your your German word for the day is Gesundheit. Can you that. guys guess what it means? That bless you? It's actually health. Health? Cool. Health. Gesundheit. Nice. Gesundheit. Health to you. <laughs> Thank well, you. Well, thanks for coming on, and uh, I, I appreciate your time, and I wish we had more time to kind of get into this a little bit more. Um, maybe we'll uh, reconnect Come back on with a this. report from the trade show. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe that we'll reconnect, great. and we'll check out the book and see if we can, uh, you know, maybe make a little progress and growth ourselves in the whole hiring world. So. Thank you very much for coming on. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you, Julie. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. I really appreciate it. All right. We'll see you here in a couple weeks. See you in Connecticut. All right. Yes. Thank you. Bye, everybody. Bye.